This is Claim Your Potential, the Empowerment Podcast. I'm Sophie Lindbergh, your host and the Executive Director of Claim Your Potential. Get ready to embark on a transformative journey where we empower women and girls to unlock their full potential in every aspect of life. It's time to claim your potential and step into a life of empowerment. Tune in every Tuesday as we ignite your inner strength, provide actionable insights, and empower you to achieve greatness. So, are you ready to claim your potential? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Claim Your Potential, the empowerment podcast. I'm your host, Sophie, and for this episode, we are joined by Callie Wolkin to discuss career exploration. Callie is a licensed counselor and career coach dedicated to helping young professionals discover and pursue careers that truly matter to them. Having spent 13 years working in the mental health field, Callie has learned that what you do matters well beyond a paycheck. Choosing the right career can fulfill you, energize you, and help you feel truly aligned with who you are. Callie empowers her clients to align who they are with what they do to find even greater career fulfillment. Her When I Grow Up story was that she went from wanting to be a zookeeper, to a vet, to a counselor, to a coach. It may not seem like a connected line to most, but when you hear her story, it starts to make just a little more sense. Please welcome Callie Wolkin. Thank you so much for being with us today, Callie. Thank you, Sophie. It's so good to be able to talk to you. And we're so excited to have you on. And you've had such a well-rounded experience. And I love that, you know, you've mentioned what your When I Grow Up story is, because so often, you know, we have that five-year-old dream, and then it changes when we're seven, and then it changes when we're 15, and then in university, it changes again. And then as an adult, it changes again after that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd love to begin our conversation by hearing a little bit about, you know, your past career interests and how they connect to what you're currently doing. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll start with that story because I always love telling it. I, I always tell people I wanted to be a zookeeper till I found out they worked on Christmas. And then I was like, I don't really feel like it. And really where the story starts to connect, you know, you go from animal to animal, but I thought I wanted to be a vet all the way up close to college. And I did even the kind of like college visits, things like that. And ended up deciding on being pursuing psychology because as I looked into kind of what I wanted to do as a vet, I realized that I wanted to help people who were grieving when their animals were having to be put to sleep. And I thought, well, that's not actually the primary job of a veterinarian. So maybe I need to change course here. And then transitioning into being a coach has just been more organic in a way, because I've just been able to explore and kind of pursue interests as I've gone and they do, they change and they transform. And it can be just beautiful to see how things that don't seem very connected actually are. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, I'd had no idea that zookeepers worked on Christmas. So good to know there. I, yeah, I would definitely say no to that if I were you as well, but it sounds like, you know, you had that very organic transition. I like that you mentioned that you had a very organic transition between, you know, what you were doing before and what you do now. And so I would love to know what is your process for helping, you know, your clients identify what a meaningful career looks like for them, some of those best practices that you were able to use. 
Yeah. So I, I and I, I probably should say there's a zookeeper out there that says I don't work on Christmas. And it was probably like my five-year-old brain that was told that at one point. But I, with my clients, I actually do tend to start with asking about their history, their their dreams and their goals. You know, I tell people don't pressure kids to define what they want to do when they grow up because the reality is like, they don't know. We don't even know when we're in our 20s or even 30s or, you know, we go through all these transitions. But I spend time just kind of exploring what those interests or dreams were with people, because even if it's not a direct path, it starts to paint a picture of some of the pieces of our story that are going to be important to us. And so we start with kind of that history and then we move into talking about, okay, what are your what are your interests now and what kinds of roles in life help you feel the most alive and and what roles help you feel the most drained. And we talk through how those integrate into a career path for people. So that's, that's like a really shortened version of my process with clients. But that's, that's a big piece of what it looks like. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more there. I think a lot of the time, you know, when you're younger, you have that overarching goal that you mentioned, such as, oh, I want to help people who are grieving, right? We have that overarching goal, but we don't really know what that looks like in terms of a career. We don't have yet that specific, you know, name that we can put to it. We don't know that, all right, I'm going to be a mechanical engineer. You know, we know that, oh, I really want to build stuff, right? That's kind Mm -hmm. of the level that we're thinking at from a young age. And so I love that, you know, when you're approaching how to, you know, interact with a client and you're approaching, you know, trying to figure out what career works for them, that you're doing it from that big picture lens. And that's how we should be doing it, you know, even on our own is thinking about it from that big picture lens of, you know, don't get so stuck on, oh, I have to have this title. I have to be, you know, this specific occupation. It's, well, what do you want to do? And is there an occupation that just happens to align with those goals that you think you'd be happy in? So, you know, thank you so much for sharing that. And I couldn't agree more with you there. And a lot of, you know, this conversation, what I really want some of our listeners to take away is that, you know, it's okay to feel stuck, but you don't have to continue that feeling with your career, with your current job. And so do you have any advice for listeners who are currently in that that stage of being stuck where they feel stuck in their current job and they're not really sure what they should be doing next or how to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is like, I'm going to, my coaching business is called the lookout point specifically because it's like meant for people who are stuck, right? Like when we're on a a journey, a road trip, whatever it is, we, if we get lost, it usually helps us to kind of stop and, and look around us and see kind of where we're at and get our bearings before we plot a course forward. And so when I work with people who are feeling stuck, a lot of times, even if somebody says, you know, I really think I want to be in the healthcare field, but I just don't know, even if they have kind of a semi-direction, we're still going to stop and evaluate or kind of go through. I always joke, like I do a lot of things for free because you're always already kind of like paying for the cost of coaching or whatever. But we stop and we do some assessments or evaluations that go over kind of those basic pieces like interests, val- work values and, and these roles. And as we get a picture, then we look at, okay, where do we want to go? What is the destination we want to get to? And how do we get there in the best way possible? So I think that's like the the best way to kind of help ourselves is to 
pause, explore like what's the information we have about ourselves and about kind of the career opportunities around us and then move forward after we figured that out. Yeah. And I'd love to transition, you know, a little bit of that advice into maybe those that aren't feeling stuck, but also those that are feeling undervalued. And so mm. are there, you know, pieces of that advice or other elements for women who are currently experiencing that feeling of under being undervalued in their workplace? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of times there's this belief that we have that there's, we can, only kind of speak up one time. And then if somebody says no, we're like, okay, like, I guess I tried. And the reality is that as we look at who kind of what matters to us and how we approach that, it's so important to understand that those values are not just, they're not just icing on the cake. They're not just something like really like, okay, it would be nice if I had that, but that they they are crucial to our satisfaction in what we do. And so when we're in a position at a, at a job and we're feeling that undervalued kind of experience, it's being able to, again, take a step back, think about what's really getting hit there and how do we approach that in a a meaningful way. I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Like I, I will oftentimes talk through, like, it's almost like negotiation tactics and being able to talk through, okay, like how do I speak in the right way that helps the person I'm talking to believe what I believe to? Oh, exactly. Yes. I love the way that you said that because I think a lot of the time, especially we as women, we're so afraid to speak up and say that there's something wrong. There's something wrong and I can't put my finger on it. Or maybe you can, but there's that, you know, that gut feeling of, I don't really like what's going on with my supervisor. I don't really like what I'm feeling about my role or things like that. And so often we ignore that gut and we don't check in with our gut enough. And we have those moments and then we don't check in with it. And then it's too late. And then we get to a point where we're like, oh my gosh, I just feel so undervalued. I don't want to be here anymore. And you mentally check out. And so I feel like what we should be doing really is, you know, checking in with how we're feeling on the job all the time going, all right, how did I feel today? Oh man, that was a really hard day today. Why was it a hard day today? Was it something that I said, maybe I didn't, you know, manage my time enough or was there something external? Did my boss say something to me that kind of hurt my feelings? Or did you know I not feel respected in that meeting that I was in? Were people talking over me? And so I think that a lot of the time we don't you know, get in touch with that. We just power through it thinking, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's just a bad day. People are having a bad day. It is what it is. And so I think a lot of that you know, contributes to those feelings of being undervalued to even feeling stuck. And so, you know, are there any exercises that you can think of that we can really employ to, to check in with our gut and how we're feeling at the end of each day? Yeah. So I do a couple of things with clients where one of them focuses in on kind of that energy piece, really paying attention to what is making me feel so drained today. And that one 
kind of looks at, you know, what kind of things that I do today. And a lot of times I'll have clients kind of write out, like, give me the whole, give me the whole routine today. You know, what did you do from the moment that you kind of woke up to, you know, started your work to leaving your work to getting home and as detailed as possible. And then we look at that and we actually label them red, yellow, or green. Red are the things that drained us. Green are the things that energized us. Yellow are kind of these neutral things that we didn't think much about. And if you look at your day after you've color coded it and it's just full of red, that's a big indicator that we're doing a bunch of things that we don't like and that take all of our energy away from us. And I tell clients, you know, think of them, they are stoplight colors for a reason. Like think of them like a stoplight. Imagine if you drove to work or drove somewhere and every light you hit was red. It would feel so incredibly frustrating to you because you you would just want to get wherever you were going. And in the same vein, like stoplight rules are that we go from something green to yellow to red, and then we go to green again. And if we're constantly doing something we love and then slamming on the brakes to do something we hate, it also really messes with how we're feeling. And so when you look at a day and you see a lot of reds, it's being able to ask yourself, you know, what makes this red for me? What am I what am I getting drained by in this particular part of my day? And are there any things that I can do to change it? Sometimes the question of changing things, we're going to get a no answer. No, there's nothing I can do to change it. But if you get a yes, if it's, yeah, I could actually schedule those meetings for a different day, then make those changes where you can. And like that kind of balance of, getting some reds out of the day and kind of balancing your week to have more greens and even, you know, focusing on the things that you can change. Both of those pieces can be really empowering for people. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that exercise. Cause I, I think that that is an incredible approach. And, you know, I always say gut check, which is, you know, it's very open to interpretation there. And I think not a lot of people know what that looks like in practice. And so I think that having, you know, a more tangible exercise that you can do where it's, okay, let me separate out my day and assign different colors. And then I love that analogy there. I think that's incredibly helpful for our listeners who, you know, don't know what that would have looked like in practice and now have something that they can use. So, you know, thank you for for sharing that with everyone. I think as people are trying to navigate these emotions, it can really, you know, hold us back from a lot of our potential. And other than that, are there other factors that could be holding someone back from career advancement? And how can people overcome these challenges? I think one of the biggest ones is that we do have family or friends that can influence us. And that can be good and bad all at the same time because. Sometimes family and friends, they'll look at kind of what we're doing and they'll make suggestions that they think are helpful. And maybe they're based on their own, you know, personal experiences or they're based on kind of a one dimensional kind of knowledge of the person. But friends and family tend to be a big influencer that keep us either stuck where we're at or even cause us to pursue the wrong career paths. And so A lot of times what I will recommend to clients is that we need to take a second to understand who we are and and kind of going back to that, you know, what are our interests? What do we value? What are the roles that fulfill us the most kind of look like? And essentially create like an elevator pitch to tell friends and family to say, 
hey, guess what? Like, these are the things that I know I'm interested in. I know that this really energizes me. And so if you can think of things that fall in line with that, if you can think of careers or jobs that fall in line with so those pieces, please let me know. And that gives other people a specific way to look. I always tell people it's like an I spy page. Like if you if you look at an I spy page, it's filled with a bunch of stuff and people are going to look at different things and give different answers of what they see. But if you tell them, hey, I'm looking for two pairs of scissors, then all of a sudden everybody's focused on the same thing and they're looking in the same direction as you. Oh my goodness. Yes. I've these analogies. I'm just loving them. Um, <laughs> like a metaphor. Like I use them all the time. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I really liked the I spy one. And, you know, as you were, as you were speaking, I was thinking back to some of the experience that I've had with family as well, where, you know, I was talking about what I wanted to do big picture and, you know, all these suggestions were flying my way. And for a while I was pursuing what was wrong for me. Cause I was mm. like, Oh, well, this is what, you know, this person said is the best fit for what I want to do overall. So maybe I have to do that. Let me try that mm-hmm. out. And, you know, while it's great to try new things, it it ultimately makes you feel bad when you are in it and you go, wait a second, I don't like this. This mm-hmm. isn't what I want to do. Why did I follow this person's advice here? This wasn't what I was looking for at all. And we have mm-hmm. those moments where we think that, you know, we put all of our trust into our family and, you know, they're great and they're there for a reason. You know, they're there for as a, you know, resource you can tap into for emotional support or or to help you. But there's moments too where if I'm frustrated with my job and I'm talking to my mom about it, I have to say, I'm just venting. I don't want advice. I don't want you to help me. I just want to vent. And I think a lot of the time we don't, we're not clear about that enough. And so what is a gut reaction of a parent or a guardian or any family member? It's to help you. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't want the help. We just want to vent. We just want to say, hey, it was a really bad day at work today. I'm not saying I hate my job. Please don't tell me to quit my job. (laughs) But I'm just telling you it was a bad day today. And you're absolutely right there. And, you know, that's why I was thinking about that is so often we are influenced by those external factors by family. And it's hard because you don't want to disappoint them. and You don't want to say no to their ideas. And it's a very difficult dynamic to, to navigate. And I think you know, for all of our listeners and something I'll definitely start doing is that I spy approach saying, all right, I am really interested in this. I've done these two roles. I'm looking for something similar to what I've already done in this role rather than I am excited about, let's say, helping people. And then you get a million job suggestions <laughs> from from family that are not at all related to what your education is or to what you've mm-hmm. done before. So absolutely mm-hmm. there. And to really wrap up this conversation, because there's been so many amazing exercises you've given and metaphors and everything like that, I would love to know for you, what is one thing that listeners should take away from this conversation? So I want everybody to know or to think about career journeys as more of a, well, of a journey, but also that it's not linear. I think we get so locked into, I mean, we're very used to, um, you know, you go to school, then you graduate school and you decide if you're going to go to college or not, and you decide which college, then you decide what you're going to major in. And it feels really linear, but 
I, I think the successful career journeying is knowing your destination before you ever start. And honestly, I think it's okay sometimes to take some time to do that, which might mean a gap year or, you know, not starting college right away, but that you're spending that time looking at where you want to be and plotting your course to that point. And then I also, I guess, kind of added to that, want listeners to know that like, it's okay to change what you love. And it's okay that if, you know, five, six, seven years after being a veterinarian, you decide you want to be a therapist, that's okay. It might take school, but that's okay. So. Yeah, it's about taking the scenic route sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And you get on that train to the final destination to where you want to be in your career and in life. As you were saying, so often we try to take, you know, the bullet train. We try to take the fastest route to get there. Mm -hmm. And we don't enjoy, you know, the journey. We don't enjoy all the different things that life can throw our way and all the things that we can look out the window and see, whether that's, you know, new friends that we meet along the way at a job, or maybe that's, you know, finding something that we really love, but maybe it's just not, you know, for us, but we now know that we want to be in the nonprofit sector or we want to go into healthcare or whatever it may be. And, mm-hmm. you know, so often, as you were saying, we we do think it's linear. We think we need to take the fastest way to get there. And that has to be the direct route. And it's, you know, it's a it's fine to take the scenic train that has multiple stops. And then, you know, you can get back on to where you're going. And, you know, as as someone that is in environments with university students a lot. I I see the struggle where Mm -hmm. so many university students think that they are failing because they're changing their mind. And Mm -hmm. I always have to tell myself and I tell them, and I always say that it's okay to change. Mm -hmm. Life is, you know, not always going to be a hundred percent the same. You're not going to feel the same that you were yesterday. You're a different person every day. It's a Mm -hmm. whole different ballpark every day when you get up in the morning with different opportunities. And it's okay to wake up and say, you know what? I don't like what I do. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And just to just to tag onto that, like there's actually research that shows students who change their mind have a higher graduation rate. So it's actually good to change your mind in college if you want to. Hear that, everybody? It's okay to change your major. I promise you. It's not going to hurt you. You're good. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's such a struggle I see all the time. And my my roommate in university, she went through something very similar where she didn't know what she wanted to do. And she changed a few times. And I did the same thing. I changed a few times. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy I did. I'm happy I didn't start off with what I was doing. I would have been miserable if I was doing what I was originally studying. So, you know, it's it's okay to to not to not follow the same path always. And I want to say thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and for sharing your words of wisdom and for empowering everyone that it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to, you know, make decisions that might be scary in the moment, but ultimately are going to serve you in the long run. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another empowering episode on Claim Your Potential, the empowerment podcast. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed our show and want to learn more about the work we do, you can visit our website, claimyourpotential.org. There, you can access our tools and workbooks, sign up for workshops, join our mentorship program, 
Listen to previous and future episodes, donate to support our cause, and find out how you can get involved. For even more inspiring content, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Claim Potential, where we share inspiration, educational resources, episode and program announcements, and other content designed to help you reach your full potential. Your support means the world to us, and a free way to support our show is by leaving a rating and review on the podcast streaming platform of your choice. Your feedback helps us grow and reach even more people with our empowering message. If you're unsure of how to do this, head over to our website's Leave a Review page for step-by-step instructions. Thank you to each and every one of you for being a part of this empowering community. Tune in next time as we continue our journey of learning and discover even more ways to claim your potential. Until then, remember that you have the power to create the life you desire. Keep striving and keep growing.